The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Amen. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, As he said, Nehemiah chapter 12, if you cheat ahead and look, there's only one more chapter in the book of Nehemiah. So we'll finish that next week. We've been about five months now in Ezra and Nehemiah. So excited to wrap that up. Uh, One or two weeks just kind of hanging out, and then we'll start a Christmas series or an Advent series because somehow that's already that time of year. Uh, So we'll do that, finish out 2018, and then we'll kick off our next book study in January. So it's kind of the next uh, 90 days or so in a run. But chapter 12 today, we got to get through it. It's a beautiful chapter as they celebrate what Nehemiah came to do, and that was to rebuild the wall. So they celebrated giving all the honor and glory to God. As we have grown accustomed in our study of Ezra and Nehemiah, there's a list, 26 verses at the very beginning, uh, a list of the Levites, amazing men of God who gave their life to the service of the temple. They're honored in the first 26 verses. I'm not going to read their names, not because I don't love them, but because I cannot pronounce them. So here's the deal. The only thing I want to say about this, because I've skipped over several lists, how cool would it be if you were the great, 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 great grandchild of one of these guys? To be able to look back a century or so, I mean, I, I, you know, we've got to have the writing of Scripture and so on and so forth. But like, say it worked out to where you could point at the Bible and go, that, that's my great-great-great-grandpappy. Like, that'd be awesome. So these are people, individuals that God used to do wonderful things. And they did, they did it in such a way that they got in the Bible. So I mean, what, I'm still not going to read their names, but it's important And starting in verse 27, we still have 20 verses to get through, and there's plenty of names in there, so you'll get to laugh at me. But I I do want to just let us all understand, God cares about individuals, and that's why they're in there. Starting in verse 27, though, God has done something very big, very amazing. He has led Nehemiah back to Jerusalem to completely rebuild the wall. They've reopened the city, they've populated it, and now it's time to celebrate. And the way he chooses to do so is with a parade. And I think that's kind of awesome. There's a lot of things he could have done, but a parade is what he chooses to do. Verse 27, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites, those that were still living from the first 26 verses, were sought out from where they lived and were brought into Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully The dedication with songs of thanksgiving. That phrase, songs of thanksgiving, is a good translation, but a better translation is thanksgiving choirs. So we'll see that they brought in musicians, they brought in Levites, they brought in uh, people to lead the singing, and they divided them into groups or choirs so that they might sing praise to God for the completion of the wall, for he is great and good, and look at what he has accomplished, giving all the glory to him. It's wonderful, it's beautiful, it's good. They did so with music as well. So this was not just an a cappella praise session, choir. They had several instruments. They had cymbals, they had harps, they had lyres. I'm not gonna beat this up any, but I want you to just think of how loud that would have been and just know that sometimes it's okay to shout and cheer and make some noise for who God is and what he's doing. Verses 28 and 29. The musicians, they were also brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages of Netophatites, from Beth Gilgal, and from the area of Geba and Asmavath, uh, because the musicians, they had built their own villages around Jerusalem. Isn't it funny, though, culturally, how artists seem to find one another? And you think about, like, the Paseo District, it's, I mean, you can live there and not be an artist, but you feel kind of out of place. And so there's three or four villages in the region of Judah that it seems like musicians have gathered. They had the tattoos and the tight jeans, and they looked, you know, a little different 
from the rest of the community, but they were very talented. And so Nehemiah, and this is in my opinion, he gathered an all-star band. This was supposed to be really good. So he scoured the region looking for the best of the best to come and to celebrate this day and to dedicate the wall that had been completed. Now, verse 30. This is unique and hard for us to understand because we live thousands of years after Jesus and the cross and all that that accomplished for us. But remember, this is taking place 450 years before Jesus. And in order for a person, even a child of God, to enter into the presence of God or to worship him, they had to purify themselves. They had to cleanse themselves. God is holy and man is sinful. And there, there were steps that needed to be take because, taken because this is a holy God. You can't just go running up to a holy God all dirty. And I, I'll get to this, but I just want to say now, I thank God for Jesus that that is no longer the case. That in our filth, we can run to God completely dirty because he's taking care of that for us. So it's different, but once you understand that it wasn't quite there yet. So the community, in order to prepare themselves to worship God, they had to do a few things. And verse 30 talks about that. The priests and the Levites purified themselves first. They did so ceremonially, okay? It doesn't say what the ceremony entailed, but if you look at the Old Testament law, they would have probably fasted for a day or so, abstained from foods of this world, just focusing their hearts on God. They would have abstained from marital intercourse. Not going to go any further with that. We're all adults in here, but you can't do that and then go worship God. And once again, thank you, Jesus. That is no longer part of it. Um, they would have absolutely taken the time to go and offer a sacrifice of some kind, whether that was a, a sheep or a goat or something like that. They'd done that to purify themselves from their own sins. And then they would have had to purify their garments. Okay, so they would have washed their clothing and their bodies in a very specific way. Then after all of that rigmarole, they are ready to finally go worship God. And I will say it one more time. Thank you, Jesus that we do not have to do that. But uh, the Levites purified themselves, then they purified the people, that wasn't quite enough, so then they purified the gates, the 10 gates, and the walls themselves were purified, and now we're ready to worship Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 says that by the will of God, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. No more cleaning, no more having to fast, no more abstaining. Just trusting Jesus. And I, I do want to say that while Jesus has paid it all, while Jesus has done it all, there is a need for us as humans, sinful humans, to at least acknowledge our sinfulness. I, th I think that's what it requires. Uh, you might call it faith. You might confession, whatever words you want to use. But we need to at least admit that we are sinful and to not do so is deceiving yourself. And it says it in 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. But if we walk in the light, that would be Jesus, as he himself is in the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. But if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And I, and I just think, I don't want to land here too long, but... I just think oftentimes, you, me, all of us, we might walk in here and think, oh man, I'm just, God is lucky that I'm here today. I, I, I am just, I am gonna, you know, blow everyone away with my harmonies and I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna sing and I'm going to rejoice and I'm gonna, 
I'm gonna put a bunch of money in that box. And like, I mean, it's weren't for me. I don't know what God would do. And we don't have to purify ourselves to worship God anymore, but we do need to acknowledge what he's done for us. And I think when we do that, when that's what starts, it's not like, oh, I'm the most wretched, awful, gross sinner. But there needs to be this acknowledgement of Jesus. Jesus, thank you. The only way I get to worship God is because of you. And I'm a sinner. And I, and I just acknowledge that. And what I found is that when you do that, it doesn't actually depress you. It, it spurs on more worship and praise. Like the acknowledgement of, oh, that's, that's, I'm, I'm not worthy of this, but he, he loves me. Anyway, um, verse nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all un righteousness. That is such a better way. Amen. Amen. They're clean now. Let's have a parade. All right. The next 11 verses describe the parade. Verse 31. I, that's Nehemiah, had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. Brilliant move. They are gathered outside of the city of Jerusalem. I don't know how many. We're going to have several listed here, but I think these are just the leaders. I think we're talking hundreds, if not thousands of people who've come out to celebrate the dedication of the wall. And Nehemiah goes, all right, everybody up the ladder. Now recall, this wall is 40 feet high. It's eight or nine feet wide, so you could stand on top of it relatively safely, but we didn't see any blueprints. I don't think there were handrails. There may have been, okay? But if you're afraid of heights, you're like, this just turned into the worst church service ever. But <laughs> you got grandma climbing up the ladder, heading, heading towards the top of the wall, because Nehemiah says, this is gonna be cool. We're gonna have us a parade on top of the wall. He assigned two large choirs for the purpose of giving thanks. So there were many smaller choirs. He said, now you're part of choir A, you're part of choir B. We'll see why in just a second. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right or the south toward the dung gate, okay? So they started at the valley gate on the western side of Jerusalem. There should be a map behind me that you can't read because the font's too small, but it's there, I promise. So started at the valley gate, headed south towards the dung gate. This is the first procession or the first group of choir. Hoshiah and half of the leaders of Judah followed them along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshalam, Judah, Benjamin, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, um, as well as some priest with trumpets, so that would have been awesome. Uh, Zechariah, son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micah, the son of Sakariah, the son of Asaph. So Asaph was the original worship leader for David. That's a big deal. So you had like a, what is that, a great, 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 great grandchild of like David's worship leader who was part of that, probably helping lead that choir. He, Asaph, or actually his great, 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 great grandson, had associates, Shemaiah, Azrael, Meliah, Galiliah, Meiah, Nathaniel, Judah, and Hananiah. Um, they had their musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. And then this is cool. I, I know it's not up on the screen, but just promise you it's in there at the end of verse 36. Then Ezra, the teacher of the law, he jumped out in front and led that procession. And he got his drum major stick and he led the way to the south, counterclockwise around the top of the wall of Jerusalem. Now remember, the wall is two and a half miles long. So trumpets and the flags and the whoop doop doop and the God is good and the people who are flipping out because they're 40 feet in the air. I mean, this is, this is legit stuff that's happening here. 
At the fountain gate, they continued directly up the steps of the city of David on the ascent to the wall and passed above the site of David's palace. So actually, they had to come back down off the gate. This is just kind of funny how the archaeology works. They had to come back down, climb back up some steps, climb back up on the wall. So it was a little detour, but the whole, it sounds, so the whole procession seemed to have made it. Uh, David's palace to the water gate on the east. So they've made it about halfway around. The second choir, starting from the valley gate, the second choir proceeded in the opposite direction or clockwise, I followed them, this is Nehemiah, on top of the wall together with half of the people. Ezra led in front because Nehemiah told him to. Nehemiah brought up the rear. Is he just humble? Probably. But have you ever wanted to observe something and you found that the best way to do that is to separate yourself from it? Just step back and look. And it's not like it's super boastful, but it's like, I really do believe Nehemiah can like hear Ezra's procession, can see his procession. He's got stereo worship music going on. And you've got to think he's happy, right? Like just, I got him all up on the wall. I didn't think they'd do this. You know, like, and now we're marching and we know where we're heading. We're heading to the northeast side. We're heading to the temple of God. That's where we're going. We're going to meet in the middle, these two choirs. And I just kind of want to see it. I just want to see it. I want to breathe it in for a moment. So he, he followed. They followed on top of the wall together with half the people, past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall, over the gate of Ephraim, the Jeshanana gate, the fish gate, then the couple towers, the tower of Hanel and the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate, and then the gate of the guard is where they, I believe that's both towers stop. Now on my map, if you have eyes good enough to read it, it does not say the gate of the guard. It says the master's gate. It's also known as the king's gate. It's all the same gate. Um, they name the gates for their function or their purpose. So many of these gates had multiple names that were just kind of used by the people. The master's gate, the king's gate, why was it called that? Why was it called the guard gate? Because it's most heavily guarded. Why? Because it's closest to the palace. Why? Because it's where the king lived and because it's where the temple was. So all that makes sense. They're being very literal in their naming. But, so don't be confused because, boy, I sure was. They all stopped there because that was the closest place to the temple. Verse 40, the two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. That would be the temple. So did I, together with half of the officials, as well as the priest, Elikim, Masai, Menemen, Micaiah, Elonai, Zechariah, Haniah. They all had their trumpets, which aren't supposed to use a trumpet in the house, but that's awesome that they did. And also, Messiah, um, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzziah, Jehanan, Malkijah, Elam, and Ezer. Um, the choirs, whether they sang inside or outside, they sang under the direction of Jezrahai. Sorry, Jezrahai, but you get, you get a good shout out. Can you imagine being appointed like the choir director for this several hundred piece choir? That's pretty amazing. So, you know, he's got it going on and, you know, and they're, they're singing and I think they're singing How Great Thou Art. I'm pretty sure it was what they sang. And I surrender all, verses one, two, and six. And like, it was, then it was like, all right, now as a round, amazing grace. You know, I, I'm pretty sure those were the songs that were sung on that day under his direction. And the trumpeters trumpeted and the cymbalists clanged and the lyres and the harps and that just pretty big, right? I mean, I, I always ask you when we're reading a narrative like this to put yourself in it. And so you've just marched one and a quarter miles. You've come down off the wall. 
The community is gathered. You've prepared yourself for this. The community is gathered around you. And you're going to then pay God homage for what he's done. And how, how would you do that then? Like, how would you celebrate this monumentous task that you're a part of? I mean, you were, you were literally building this wall not too long ago. How would you celebrate that? Verse 43 gives us just a glimpse of how they did, very general glimpse, but verse 43. On that day, they offered great sacrifices. Now, you wouldn't think at that moment the coolest thing to do would start bringing lambs in to sacrifice them on the altar. That doesn't exactly speak of joyousness to me. It's like, that's sad. Now, one, this is part of the culture. They're used to it. But two, ask yourself, what part of your worship does God desire the most? Is it your spot-on harmony? Is it your clapping? Is it your dancing? Is it your singing? Or is it your heart? Is it your sacrifice? Is it you that he desires? So they offered great sacrifice. I'm gonna jump just real quick to Romans 12, one, and we'll come back. It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of who God is, in view of his mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's the New Testament sacrifice. This is holy and pleasing to God. And this, the sacrifice of yourself, is your true and proper worship. So they didn't have that luxury 400 years before Christ, but they were able to offer sacrifice to show their heart. But they didn't stop there. Back to verse 43. They rejoiced because God had given them great joy. I believe that's not just in this cool wall. I believe it's greater than that. It's a bigger picture joy. It's a uh, God has restored his people. God has brought them back out of captivity. God is now doing something awesome. We are sacrificing to God. We're worshiping him. We're celebrating with the unity of the bodies come together. Like there's so much going on and God gave them that joy. The women and the children, they also rejoice. That's important because it's the whole community then. It wasn't just these male leaders. It was the whole community was celebrating because of what God had done. And I love this, the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Like, I wonder what some of the pagan neighbors thought those crazy Jews were doing. They're up on, they're up on the wall, Margaret. I, I don't, it's getting late and they keep blowing those stupid trumpets. But they had to take notice, right? This is big. Whatever's going on is big. I wonder, just throwing it out there. You lob it right back if you don't like what I'm saying. But I wonder if someone from the outside who had no idea about this God or this Jesus, if they just saw you, would they see this kind of God-given joy in you? Now, I'm not saying you gotta walk around with a big old smile painted on your face. And it's just the best day always because it's not always the best day, right? Some really stinky days. But even in the stinkiest days, there's still hope. And that hope is what separates those who know Jesus and those who don't. 
A lot of us want to be like, well, it's what we don't do. It's, you know, I don't do this and I don't do this and that's because I love Jesus. Oh, I just don't. That's, that's, that's bad. That's bad doctrine. It's what you have. And then, because Jesus said it, it's also what you do. You'll, they will know that you are mine, my disciples, by the way you love. And that love comes out of an overflow of your heart and that you've been loved. And so really, God gives us all that we need. But I just wonder, just, just something to wrestle with. Like, would people see that joy in you? Would the surrounding neighbors take notice? Verses 44 through 47. Let's finish the chapter. At that moment, so the celebration is done. The wall is complete. The people are starting to go back home. But the temple's ready to go. Continual daily worship of God is, is going to ensue. And so at that time, men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms, okay, those that have been in the temple, for the contributions, first fruits, and tithes that came in from the people. Now, the Bible teed me up here to do a really good giving talk. But I'm not going to touch it, and you're welcome. Okay? I could, we could, oh, we could do some good, are you tithing, contributions for it? We could, ooh, we could have some fun, but we're not. And here's why. You may not, not everyone in here may know this, but tonight at five o'clock, we're launching our Norman campus. And that's four years of prayer, five years of prayer, months of work. Like, I kind of feel like the wall's been completed and we need to have a parade tonight. We're not going to because it's cold, but like, like I want to celebrate what God's doing. And so that's where I want to focus. I am going to read these. I'm gonna make some very small comments as we read them because it's good biblical truth and we're not gonna hang out here very long. So they built rooms to hold the resources that the people gave. From the fields around the towns, they were to bring into the storeroom the portions required by the law, by the, the book, for the priests and the Levites. For Judah was pleased with the ministering priests and the Levites. The priests and the Levites couldn't own bakeries, couldn't have farms because they served in the temple. They served God. And the people from the community appreciated their service. And from their farms and bakeries, they gave the first fruits to the temple so the Levites could eat, so their families could eat. And I'm not saying this is perfect. I'm not saying there's not a better way. But I appreciate, and I'll speak on behalf of my wife and my kids, I appreciate that we can eat because of your tithes and offerings. My kids are well-rounded. So thank you. I mean that. I've got a great staff who's paid for their labor here because they're serving the Lord. And those of you who go bake and build and farm, you enable that as God calls you to give. And so thank you. And I would appreciate if you kept doing so. They performed the service of their God. If anyone in here thinks about going into ministry, this one's free, okay? This one's free for you. Serve God, not people. Because when you serve him, in my opinion, the people that you minister to will appreciate that more than if you just try to keep them happy. And I know too many people who think that serving people is serving God or keeping people happy is serving God. And it's, it's a very blurry line. So if you're gonna go into ministry, 
Do so for God. Definitely don't do it for the paycheck. Service purification, as did also the musicians and the gatekeepers. They needed to eat, so they got to eat from those storehouses according to the commands of David and the son of Solomon. For long ago, the days of David and Asaph, you see that guy from generations ago, had been directors for the musicians and for the songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. So in the days of Zerubbabel and of Nehemiah, the present day, all Israel contributed the daily portions for the musicians and the gatekeepers as well as the Levites and the priests. They also set aside portions for the other Levites, and the Levites then set aside a portion for the descendants of Aaron, the first high priest. Chapter 12 is done. As the band comes back up here, one question, very simple question. Have you tithed this month? Just kidding, not just kidding. <laughs> I didn't do that in the first service. That wasn't funny though either. Um, one question. What do you need to celebrate What has God done in the last year, six months, six weeks, last six hours that you need to say thank you for, that you need to celebrate, that would cause you to want to worship him by giving your life? What do you need to say thank you for? Because I believe that as we respond here in the next few moments to this passage of scripture, it should be a time like Nehemiah constructed, a time of community rejoicing. Now, they all had one awesome thing to celebrate, right? Like they all had this wall that they all worked on. They got to celebrate that. I, I, I could point to the launch of our Norman campus and say we all should be celebrating that, but I don't wanna be that myopic. I, I think this is important for your development and growth to look at your life and to say, what is it that I need to thank God for? And I am aware, so more than you maybe even know, that there are some of you in here that are going, nope, nope, not today. Not gonna say thank you today. Not gonna celebrate today because I'm not sure he's worth it. Because I got this information on Thursday or this has happened over the last two weeks or this is what I feel. And I will tell you, if that is where you're at, to sit today. Don't manufacture something. To sit and allow the joy that you see in others to not infuriate you, which will be hard, but to encourage you. It's all the same God. And the same God that's causing that person next to you to rejoice and to celebrate is the same God that you might be upset with right now. It's the same God, I promise you he's still very faithful and he's still very good, but you may not be able to see that right now. So that's where the community can come and kind of help encourage you. So spiritually and physically, literally, just today, this is really your response to God, to who he is, what he's done in your life. There's gonna be people up here to pray with you if you're just like, I got nothing for him. I would love to talk to you about that. I'd love to, because that's what I'm here to do. And there's gonna be other people that would love to do that with you. Or you wanna come up and celebrate. 
That's what he's done. There's communion in the back of the rooms, and, and this I, I'll, I'll tread lightly here to those of you who do not in any way want to celebrate today, but I would encourage you then maybe go take communion as you hold that bread and that cup, regardless of the circumstance you're walking in. It represents the fact that Jesus died for you, did for you what you could never do for yourself. Maybe just going back to the very basics of the gospel, that truth, maybe that will help start to build a foundation for you to stand on, to find joy in him. So that, or just, if you're even joyful, go take communion. It's a great reminder. It's biblical. But let's respond, okay? Let's respond today, those of us who can in celebration, those of us who can in, in just an open-mindedness, I guess, to the fact that maybe God is, is good and worthy of all of our praise. But whatever we do, let's do it together. So Father, I pray that our celebration would be seen, heard, and felt by you, that it would glorify you, and that it might encourage others in this room who are stuck today. But God, most importantly, just come and wrap your arms around us all and let our praise of you be genuine and pure. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's celebrate him.